Um, I'm Deb. I am a food addict, a compulsive eater. I compulsively think about food. Um, yeah, that's me. Um, that's me before, actually. Um, I used to think about food all the time, but I don't anymore. Um, I am in Scottsdale, Arizona. So um, thanks for having this meeting um, virtual. And there is also in-person meetings. I've kind of been in this meeting for a bit since we went virtual, and it's really um, been an amazing part of my recovery, and I'm honored that Bob asked me to speak. Um, I uh, have experienced the recovery in the L.A. area through podcasts, through the speakers. I just want you to know that we hear you wherever who or whoever you are that has, um, you know, given your service. I listen, and um, I appreciate that I can be wherever I want in the world, and I can hear you. So there you go. Um, so I'm just going to start from the beginning. Um, I have lived in Arizona my whole life. I was born here. I think I was born in a uh, food addict. My mother was on um, that uh, program where you pay and weigh, I think, from before I was born, she brought it from Cleveland, Ohio. So my life was living on a diet. Like, I really think I was born on a diet. Um, I remember um, my treat was toast with cottage cheese and cinnamon. For those of you that have been on that program back in the uh, the day, and that was literally how I lived. Like, I was um, always on a diet. I was thinking about the way that I looked. My mother was always on a diet, and I was thinking about the way she looked. Um, I remember the first thing I ever stole was a chocolate bar. I used to steal um, my bubby, my grandma's uh, silver dollars from under her bed. She used to keep them in glass pickle jars, and I would steal her silver dollars. She came from Russia, and I would buy food. And, I mean, I was a little kid. I was like six, seven, eight years old when I used to do this. I vividly remember it, and um, to me, that's kind of what sets that um, trajectory into how I got into this program. Um, so through my life, um, I had this mantra in my head, the record that went on, and it was fat, ugly, stupid. So my life until coming into program was um, – knowing that nobody would love me, um, that I could never be um, anybody or account for anything or um, be good enough for my parents because I was fat, ugly, stupid. And um, it took me many years to get over the feeling. It's through this program and through um, therapy and through my sponsor have I been able to change the fat, ugly, stupid to to fearless, unique, and splendid. So, I don't know, every day I kind of think of a new new words for it. Um, I'm going to keep going. So, through my life, that ugly, stupid, I look at pictures of myself when I was a child, and I was just like everyone else. I don't know where the idea came from. I do know that I, I uh, grew up in an alcoholic home. My father was a rager, and my life was to please him. Like, that's what I thought. I never really got along with my mother. And um, I just wanted to please my dad. So 
he wouldn't yell at me and hit me. And that was my life. And so that's, I think, where the food kind of comes in also. Um, uh, so many, many years later, get through college, do a lot of drinking. I started smoking pot at like 12, you know, going all through high school. Then I get to college and I discover real alcohol because your parents aren't there. And, um, that's what took over. Like I didn't have a food addiction anymore. I drank a lot. And then it wasn't until I got out of college that I recognized that I didn't need alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. I do not consider myself an alcoholic, but that's when I recognized that eating was my, um, was my addiction. Um, so I remember watching those, um, intervention programs, you know, where they would do the, uh, the intervention was with the drug addict. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is me with food. Like, how can I be like this addict who was literally living on the streets, who um, was doing whatever they could to get to drugs? That's how I was with food. Granted, I wasn't living on the streets, but when I became a single parent, you know, I was on access. I was um, living very um, below the means with my two children. Um, but there was always food. I was still a compulsive eater. I was still, you know, fat, ugly, stupid. So how could I be that way with when, you know, I didn't have anything, but it wasn't until I Googled AA for food. Did I find out that there's a program called overeaters anonymous? And that was my first You know, this is probably about 20 years ago. Let me think. My son's 27. Yeah, about 20 years ago um, that I remember looking at that. And then it wasn't five years till after that did I finally get to my first meeting. Um, I lived in an area in Arizona that had, like, the free newspapers. And there was two ads in the paper that I remember reading in the announcements that were free. One was, do you have breast cancer? If you do, call this number. We'll help you, support you. And do you have a problem with food? If you do, we have this meeting on Wednesday nights. So then it was a year later after seeing that ad that I finally get into the room. So at this time, you know, I think I'm trying to, I think I was in my thirties. I'm, I was in my late thirties. Um, you know, I had two kids. Um, I was married at the time. Um, wait, was, no, I wasn't married at the time when I finally found program. I was in a relationship and I remember going to my first meeting and it was very small. Um, and I remember them talking about needing smaller sized clothes and I was thinking, wow, to be a size 12 because I was obese. I was probably a size 20, 22 at the time. Um, and I'm thinking, they need to go shopping for size 12 clothes. And I don't even remember the last time I was a size 12. Um, for those of you that for women's sizes, you know, we go zero, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. Um, I have no idea what my waist size is, but that's how women or people who identify as women, um, we shop for clothes. And I was like, well, let me just give it another shot. So we first meeting, I had no idea what was going on. The second meeting still had no idea. Then I heard go to six meetings and then I found another meeting that was on a Saturday and I started going to that meeting. And that was when I found my first sponsor. 
um, and really understood the step. So this is about 15 years ago. Um, and we read the big book, and I couldn't understand why they're reading the Alcoholics Anonymous book. But I started to understand the steps, like, okay, this program, as I hear it from people, they're spiritual. And so I thought, I'm a spiritual person. I was studying shamanism at the time. I totally understand my my spiritual life. I felt like I had a good experience with my God. And, you know, I grew up Jewish. I'm Jewish. And so it wasn't like a hateful God. But he never woke me up skinny and pretty, right? So I would pray for to be skinny and pretty. And um, so I didn't really know how to engage with my higher power at the time. Um, so I'm going to these meetings. I started doing service. I finally got a sponsor. And so um, here I am finally looking head on at my disease of compulsive eating. And there's a couple of things that I recognize. The first was that I lived to weigh myself. And literally, the scale was my higher power for many years of my life. I would wake up every morning. I would weigh myself before I went to the bathroom. I would weigh myself after I went to the bathroom. I would weigh myself before I ate, after I ate. And weighing myself decided what kind of mood I was in. And... um you know, like how fat was I that day? And that was all I could think about. Um, and I just remember living on the scale and feeling very inside myself. I was not a very, um, you know, happy, joyful person. I really was like living miserably. Um, I was a single parent at the time, raising my kids. Uh, I was in a relationship. Um, and, uh, she lived with me. And so, you know, it was like, but I was miserable. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I have this person who says they love me and I have my two kids, but I'm insane around food. Insane. I think about how I was with my kids at the time and just how, um, when I read a, the A book and I read about the stories that I can really relate even though the person is talking about, you know, being drunk, I was drunk on food. I was not a very nice person. I wasn't a very um, giving mother. Um, I thought I was doing a good job, but now I recognize that um, that my kids deserve better. And through through the program, I was able to, you know, make amends to them. But I'll get into that. Um, Okay, so I get my first sponsor, and um, at this time, I was probably about 75 pounds overweight, and I remember meeting her for the first time, and I was so nervous. Like, I just didn't understand, like, how I was going to be with this person, because for me, I didn't really feel close to anybody because I had a wall up. Because I was fat, ugly, stupid, um, I was really hiding who I was. And why would somebody want to, first of all, take time to be with me to um, help me get over this crazy disease that I had around food? And my first sponsor really um, was gentle and loving, and she really helped me get through the steps. She helped me 
um, you know, do my my fourth step and, and hours together and and taught me how to do, you know, daily step tens. Um, but I feel like I'm stepping ahead. Let me get through my notes really quick. Um, okay. Um, so I'm in program. I start doing service. And then I start realizing that food really was my higher power. And um, we have a uh, a pamphlet called Dignity of Choice. Those of you that are new, you can get that on OA.org. Those of you that are not new know exactly what I'm talking about. Because I didn't even know how to eat right. I didn't know how to have a beginning, a middle, and an end to my food. I was the person that ate from morning until I fell asleep. I would go to the bedroom, and then I would go get another cookie. I would go to the bedroom, and I would get another handful of something. I would go to the bedroom, and I would take another spoonful of ice cream. Like, I literally, like, this was my life. And it's not a very good example to teach your children. Um, And that's kind of another thing that I really regret is how much my disease took over in, you know, as I said before, in my parenting and in my life. Um, So I finally learned to really work the steps. Um, I remember as I'm on step three, I just couldn't understand how I could give everything to this higher power when my higher power never gave to me. This was kind of how I felt at the time. And it wasn't until my sponsor, we kind of went through like, what do you want in a higher power? And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, well, what do you want in a best friend? And that's kind of how we started. Like, I want someone who's gentle. I want someone who's loving, who's always there, who supports me through the good and the bad, who um, lifts me up, who pulls me out when I dig myself too deep. Like, all these things that I'm thinking I want in a best friend, I recognize is what I want in a higher power. So that's one of the biggest things that I think I got from um, working the steps and, um, you know, learning how to really be with my higher power. Um, so a few years of being in program, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So if you remember, I talked about how there was two free ads in the paper. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer. My kids, I remember my daughter, maybe was in middle school or no, maybe she's not, I don't remember. Middle, she was in middle school. She was in seventh grade. My son was like, I think a freshman in high school. So I'm with my kids. I'm going through breast cancer. Um, my partner at the time um, was pretty supportive. Um, and it was pretty rough. It was, for those of you that have been through an illness or breast cancer, it's not, um, it's not fun. It's a lot of pain. Um, it's a lot of questioning, um, at least for me, I was questioning my, my ability to get through really difficult things, to be honest with you. And it wasn't until my OA family held me up, brought me food when I was stuck at home, brought me meetings when I was stuck at home, um, prayed with me, um, called me, um, just supported me was when I recognized that I am more than what I think I am and that I'm really not 
that ugly and stupid that I have people that love me. And then I was able to, oh my gosh, is that five minutes, Pam? Thank five you. Five minutes. Okay. Thank you. Um, so, um, that's when I recognized that this program really has saved my life. So, um, I want to talk about what it's like now in my five minutes left. Um, so, gosh, my life is freaking amazing. Um, I met my wife in recovery. Oh, I just saw my sponsee smile at me when I said that. That was so awesome. Um, and, um, you know, got married in program, which is crazy. Um, on our first date, I told her that I've been eating disorder and because it's who I am, um, you know, and to really know what I want love to be, I have to be that love for myself is what I really learned. Um, so the love of my life, I mean, she knows how much my abstinence is in my life. If I'm not abstinence, she gets crazy dead. And she's only seen crazy dead a few times. And I tell you, I don't want to be that person. And I don't know that I would want to be married to someone who's crazy dead. So she knows um, she is an amazing cook. And she supports my recovery and my abstinence. Um, and makes me amazing abstinent food. She helps me to um, recognize that I'm important and I'm blessed by having really healthy meals because when I wasn't in recovery, I did not eat healthy. I didn't eat three, three meals a day with nothing in between. I didn't eat um, a balanced meal. I ate all day and I um, it's through the support of my wife and my sponsor and recovery that I can do that now today. I can eat three meals a day. Um, another thing that I want to talk about real quick because I'm, I'm running out of time is what program has given me in the sense of my spiritual program and my real connection with my higher power. Um, I, my sponsor, her mother died and she was in a meeting that day. Like she knew that if she wasn't in a meeting, her life was in danger. And that's kind of what I think about. And the reason I'm saying this to you is August um, 5th of 2019, my daughter Phoebe passed away. It was the most devastating thing that's ever happened to me. But I have to tell you that this program, all of you, held me through. My friend Michelle, who suffered from a loss of her child also, said to me, Dad, it's like you were spiritually connected before Phoebe died. Like you knew that God was there. And I would have not have known that if it wasn't because of this program. Many of you have been through death, have been through cancer have been through, um, uh, you know, really difficult illness. And you know that this program not only has helped you through it, but your higher power is the one that has lifted you up. And I just know for me that through the strength of my higher power, I was able to get through it. Every single day, I get through it. But I get through it living in joy and serenity. And I never thought I would. Um, 
because, like I said, it was the most devastating thing. And I did it with, you know, my wife by my side, my higher power on the other side, and all of you really just holding me in. It was just amazing, um, the support I've had from program. Um, and then in my last minute, um, I just want to say that bad things happen to good people, but good things happen to good people also. And good things happen to me because of this program, and I know that good things will happen for you. Um, and I think that's my time. It is <laughs> doing that. Okay. Um, this is the time for questions only. Uh, there's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you ask a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raised hand icon so you can ask the question and I will respond. And uh, let's see here. Oh, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for your share, Bob, compulsive overeater, recreational sugar addict. Um, can you describe your um, daily or morning ritual, whatever it is? Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Um, yes. So it really depends on the day if I wake up early or not. But I do wake up um, and I pray. That's the first thing I do. Um, I um, do a lot of praying. And um, a lot of writing, which is part of my spiritual practice also. Um, I meditate. Hopefully in the morning, if I don't get to it, I meditate at night. So I do meditate once a day, um, which is part of my recovery. Um, and I think that's it. I just, you know, I am the kind of person that um, God is with me at all times. So I am blessed to have that connection wherever I am. And I just need to quiet my mind and my mouth to hear higher power. So um, that's kind of how I start my day. I hope that answered your question. I can keep going a lot more if you want, but uh Let's see if anybody else has a question. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so much for asking me. I have a question, Deb. Vincent, yes, thank you. Uh, you talked about the fact that you were a spiritual person, yeah, that you have always been. Um, I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that your definition of a higher power has actually changed or evolved once you are in the program. Could you talk a little bit about that and how you connect your faith or your spirituality to the concept of your higher power in the program? Thanks, Vincent. I would love to. Um, so, um, I was always connected to God through my faith. But I was never spiritual, if that makes sense to people. So for me, religiosity and spirituality are two different things, right? I am Jewish. I um, go to temple. I practice Judaism. I am proud of who I am. Um, 
but the connection to my higher power completely changed because of this program. Like I said, all I knew was to pray for things like I prayed to be pretty and thin. I didn't know how to pray for um, guidance or to pray for uh, support or to pray for help me to make this decision. What you know, I didn't know how to do that. They, I was never taught that that's how, as a Jew, you pray. And it wasn't until I came into this program that I was able to recognize that higher power um, can evolve. Um, it used to be, I used to feel that I had two separate higher power before program and then program. And then when my daughter passed away, I recognized that it was the same higher power but now I was able to connect deeper, and that kind of put the idea that I had in my head together as one. Um, another thing is that I, um, you know, I was in education for 20 years, and, and um, I've just decided, well, I didn't just decide. I recognize that with this program that living in joy is something that I was missing after my daughter died. And I'm now in seminary school, and I get to really practice what I've learned in this program with my higher power on what my new um, uh, profession is going to be. So that is another part of it. Like, it's really, um, I really have that spiritual connection, and I get to have it every single day. So thanks, Vincent. Susan, hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for your sharing your story, and I love you, and I'm grateful for you. And you have a special place in my heart. And my question is, how do you get yourself out of a rut? Like, you just wake up on a bad, you know, day on the wrong side of the bed, and what do you do to get yourself out of that rut? Thanks, Susan. And, yes, it is so beautiful to see you. Um, really good question, because... It is not easy to live in joy every single day. For example, tomorrow's Mother's Day, and I am quite sad. And um, when people ask me this week how you're feeling, I said, I'm okay. You know, and for me, it's okay to be okay. Um, I've learned through this program of my higher power that being good enough is good enough, that um, being perfect is not for me what a human being should be. My higher power is. So how could I not feel sad or not feel depressed or not feel lost because I'm human? And um, there are some days that I stay in bed and I honestly give myself permission, but it's one day. And I recognize that. To be able to live in recovery, I have to kind of act as if, and then I'm able to be in the 12 steps. Like, I really live through the 12 steps also. And if I'm not um, living it and, and being it, then I'm, I feel lost. Like, that's the thing that I recognize in myself, is if I'm not living in the steps, then I'm not connected to my higher power then I'm not the loving wife, the loving mother, the loving daughter, the loving sister, 
loving sponsor, sponsor, like I'm not that person. So I don't know if that's answered your question, but um, it is really hard to not be in that place. And I just give myself permission and then that's it. Move on. Acceptance. So that's exactly what I need to hear. Thank you. Thanks, Susan. Thank you. Carol, hello. Um, hi, Deb. Thanks so much for your share. Um, it's a funny question, but what's your least favorite tool? And how do you get yourself to use it anyway, even if you do? Yeah. It's and what, you know, phone. why? Why is it your least I mean, favorite? I don't even need to think about it. And those of you that know me that are in Arizona, look at my posse, everybody. It's pretty awesome. I do not like the telephone, and I'm so bad at it. Um, I uh, do not call people when I need to. I, I'm really honest with you, and that is the one tool that I've never been able to grasp. Um, you know, yeah. I, that, I hope that answers your question. It's not a funny question because I really um, don't feel that. You know, I do have my OAP that I can call at any time, and I do that. I love talking to my sponsees and my sponsor. Um, but when I'm having negative, like, body thoughts or negative food thoughts, do I reach out? I have, like, all of your phone numbers, you know, um, I've never reached out to, to anyone from this meeting and I'm just being honest. So, um, what, that's one of the reasons why I stepped up to be a newcomer, um, person because that means somebody will call me. And when somebody calls me in program, then that, you know, really helps me. So that's a really good question. Um, I think I have. Four more minutes. Nope, I have eight minutes. There's more questions. If you can't raise your hand, you can do this or, uh, no, I don't know. Anybody else? Um, I can talk really quick about my abstinence. Um, so I eat three meals a day. I do occasionally have a snack. Um, my meals have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I do not eat anything um, that is baked or faked. Like, um, you know, I won't eat a protein bar because that is so close to a chocolate bar for me. So I don't eat anything that's baked. I don't eat cookies, cake, um, anything that I can binge on. I don't eat candy. Um I choose not to eat white flour um, if, you know, I'm starving, and that's literally all that there is. I will have bread, but that's really um, how I eat. I've just learned to um, have a beginning, middle, and an end to my meetings. And I'm a vegetarian. My wife is an amazing cook, and she's taught me how to balance my meals. Because when you don't eat meat, you have to make sure you get enough protein, and that's Another thing that's um, been helpful for me. Tony, hello. Hi, Deb. How are you? I'm excellent. I can relate a lot to your share. My question is this. Could you talk a little bit about your methodology for sponsorship? Um, Sure. Uh, Thank you for asking that. Um, So I follow 
the um, big book guidelines kind of as um, a sponsor. We go through the big book. Um, and I also love using the um, OA 12 and 12 with the workbook. I am a very slow and gentle sponsor. I mean, it's who I am. It's actually what this program has helped me to find in myself because I was always the fast and furious ADD queen. So um, now I'm gentle. My expectations uh, for my sponsee now, you know, one of my sponsees, I've got two sponsees at the moment. One has been in program for a long time and one is new in program. So they, I, you know, I talk with them differently. One I talk to more often. One we text and check in. One I like to just talk with her because I love her, um, you know, just guidance in life also. So that's kind of how I am with my sponsees. Thanks for asking. Um, I've got uh, six minutes. If anybody else has a question. Um, I can go. I'll, I'll ask another one. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Being very selfish today. <laughs> um, can you talk about your amends uh, process and maybe give us uh, an example of one that went well and one that didn't go well? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. So, um, I'll give you one. When I um, was. Uh, in education, I, you know, it's not in program. And um, this was like many years ago. This is probably about 10 years ago, I suppose. Um, I was not a very nice person. And um, I was rude. Like, I, I was rude to other people. And I'm sometimes very shocked at myself when I see people rude to other, like their, um, their boss or their supervisor. Because it shocks me now, but back then I was not a very nice person. And one that went really well was um, to an old principal I said in in education, and I kind of and I emailed him. I didn't know how else to reach him, and I just said that I'm in um, the spiritual program, and one of them is to make amends, and I would like to make amends to you for my behavior and um, uh, and if I harmed you in any way. And he responded with, like, thank you so much for emailing me. And mm-hmm. I think this is so wonderful that you're doing this. You know, best of luck to you. And I appreciate and I accept your, um, you know, your amends. Um, that was the good one. My sister, on the other hand, uh didn't quite I don't know if I didn't do what she needed, you know, in my mind, or if it's just who she is, but it didn't go very well with my sister. Um I have a, a living amends with her. I treat her out of love and kindness every time I see her. She struggles a lot, um, and that's one of the things that I've learned is that even if it didn't go well, then, um, you know, living and being a nice person is really what's helped me. So thanks for asking that one also. Um, Nancy B., hello. It's great to see you. 
Oh, Nancy, we can't hear you. I don't know why, because you're unmuted. Oh, you want to type it in? I'll ask Amina if you want to type it in or send it to Bob. Amina. Deb, you said that you you use journaling a lot. Will you talk a little bit more about that, how you do that? Sure, yeah. Um, my sponsor actually is the one that always reminds me to write. Um, and I do talk to my sponsees, and I say, why don't you write about it? Because for me, um, I when I got breast cancer, I didn't write anything down. I didn't want to remember anything. And my sponsor now, um, one of the things that she is, is she's a writer. So she always reminds me to write how I'm feeling. Because for me now, I recognize that I need to go back to that place so I don't um, eat over it. And that's the biggest thing. So for me, writing is about um, what's on my heart at the time. And it's about writing what I'm feeling, because sometimes I don't always talk about the way that I feel. Not sometimes. A lot of times I don't talk about the way that I feel. Um, you know, and it and it's uh it's through the writing that I can recognize um my fears and um where negative thoughts come from and self loathing because that's another thing that I'm really good at. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. I think I'm, thank you, Amina. I am Ellie. Yes. Hi. Um, thank you so much, Deb. Um, you called yourself fat, ugly, stupid. How do you feel about yourself now? And what is it that helped you see differently thank you thank you wow um i think honestly it it, being the third time around the body image workshop this last time it finally stuck um it's just so interesting how many years i've been doing it you know going to the birthday party and now the, all of the online programs and, and this time I re, it stuck, right? And, um, when I wrote the letter from my higher power, I heard, you know, I made you who you are in your perfect self and your body, how it is, houses your heart and your soul. And, um, if I made you, and you love me as much as I love you, how could it be wrong? So it's really this program and this, like, doing the last body image. You know, I have a, a really body dysmorphia, thanks, Pam, of myself. Um, I don't need to weigh myself. I can just put on a pair of jeans, and I know where I'm at with my weight, right? Like, that's how crazy it is. So, um, yeah, thank you.